0: not become a patron of the geocache talk network what are you waiting for patron levels start as low as a bison tube level at three dollars a month to sign up is easy simply go to the geocache talk website and click on the become a patron button or go to patreon.com forward slash geocache talk patrons now get the famous blackout coin invites to special events and other really great items throughout the year become a patron today have you subscribed to FTF magazine yet Hello
1: and welcome to Challenge Talk, part of the Geocache Talk Network. We broadcast live on the first Thursday of each month. Feel free to jump over to YouTube or Facebook to watch the broadcast live and join the wonderful and active chat room or listen to the entire show in your favorite podcast player.
2: Hi. In this episode, we'll be chatting with a challenge-hardened volunteer community reviewer asking him questions on all he knows about reviewing challenge caches and interpreting the guidelines. We'll also have prizes to give away each show to our listeners. Between each show, be sure to email your Challenge Cash Finds to challengetalkpodcast at gmail.com, and you could be a winner.
1: And later in the show, we also play our special game exclusively for our live audience, The Wheel of Challenges. So listen live, get your email app ready, and follow instructions when the time comes so you can have a chance at winning the grand prize, a one-year membership to Project GC. We are your hosts, Emily and Jeff from Cash the Line. Hello. <laughs> and uh, you can email any of your challenge caching questions, big or small, once again to challenge talkpodcast at gmail.com. We might uh, show them and chat about them on the air. First of all, want to give a quick shout out to Ipsimom, who has sent some feedback and she has said, I'm tuning in for the first time tonight. I missed the live show, so I set the bell to ensure to, to be sure to catch the next one. I'm loving the cash talk. See you next time. Ipsumom, AKA Melody, from Michigan in the USA. Welcome.
0: <laughs> yes, love it. First
1: time listener last month. <laughs> so good, I hope good. you're listening this month again. Uh, yeah. It's great to hear hear from people who, uh, who listen to the show. We'd love to have your feedback uh, and, and hear, especially what you like and don't like, what you want to see, uh, comments and ideas but mostly we'll have to hear about your challenge caching, um, uh, uh adventures. <laughs>
2: <Yes>. <laughs> and it's so much fun when you're in the chat. So, um, we love it when you listen live and join us in the chat and we still love it. If you listen later, <laughs> we love all so, our exactly. listeners.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, so first off we, we have a, a guest tonight, but we want, we're going to jump into that in a moment because the first thing we always like to do is, uh, discuss all of the new updates to the project GC statistics, because on their website, they have a little box that that shows all of the counts of their challenge checking um, quantities and stats. And uh, so we'd like to run through what has changed since last month. And as of September second, about late this afternoon, there are now 6761 active scripts. And those are the things that uh, that that handle all of the challenge checkers that people use uh, on geocaching.com. And that's up from 6634 or 127 more than last year. So that could be anything from new challenge ideas that haven't been scripted yet, to maybe some fixes, uh, copies of scripts and adjustments and things like that. But in any case, that's more, more scripts to handle more challenges. (laughs) Uh, We have 37,575 unique challenges. So those are different parameter sets. That's up 272 since last month. Those are um, individual challenge ideas where there could be multiple GCs that all use the same parameter set. So identical challenge caches. So these are the unique challenge ideas. As for unique challenge caches that are tagged in the system, Unique GC codes, there's 45,933, which is up 411. And that includes archived caches, as far as I know. That's not just active. That's everything in the system. Because the search, if you search for the challenge cache attribute on geocaching.com, that shows that there are 31,858 active challenge caches worldwide by by attribute search. And that's up 164. So we're still going up.
2: That's and nice. we have in the chat that Kitty Catch has three new challenges in progress. So mm. we'll continue to see our numbers rise. <laughs> Thank
1: yeah, you. We get to see how many, how many are in the, in the development stages. <laughs> right,
2: right. <laughs> but we're glad to hear you're doing
1: probably, it. Yeah, I probably guess there must be at least a couple hundred, maybe a, f- a few hundred more that, that people are still working on and having oh, to get published. Sure. Sure. Which could be a, an interesting topic for a reviewer to respond to. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, if we run through some quick little news items since last month, one huge, huge announcement coming from since August is the announcement of CashFest 2022. And it is now a mega event.
2: Yes, so it went you- mega quickly. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited about this. So many people were on board. I think it's going to be a great location, easy location for a lot of people to get to. I think that really helped.
1: Go mm-hmm. mega. Yeah. And that's in Memphis, Tennessee, July 16th, or that weekend, mm-hmm. as typically happens with mega events. Uh, and uh, there are so many things to do. And there's pre-event coins you can purchase uh, that are electric guitars in very Memphis style. <laughs> Right. And uh, there are events being planned for from Wednesday to Sunday. So this six days, including that weekend and including
2: uh, our Challenge Academy.
1: (laughs) Exactly. We've got three different uh, major segments of the uh, of the event that will be happening. There's the Gadget Academy, the Puzzle Academy and the Challenge Academy, which if you listen to the Geocache talk network, they're uh, very similar to the shows. (laughs) (laughs) That is true. (laughs) So lots of information. You can find loads of that uh, on cashfest.com www.cashfest.com. And the GC code once again is GC9E5GX. Make sure you get your will attend posted so that we know who's coming and uh, can plan accordingly. That's going to be an awesome, awesome week.
2: Uh, we got a little Man. wish for you. Fingers crossed our Canadian friends can attend.
1: <laughs> I, high hopes, high hopes by next year will be. Oh, be a, my a goodness,
2: I know. <laughs> it's been too long.
1: Mm mm-hmm. uh, We also have a little bit of an update because the souvenir promotion reach the peak has moved into its second month. We are now uh, into Mount Mount Vincent. Vincent, it's starting on the 6th, which is yeah, Monday. Monday? Mm-hmm. And yeah, and the number of points that you need to uh, to reach the peak of Vincent is 4892. I believe last month it was 4882, the amount of feet US. No, <laughs> <the laughs> amount of feet to the peak of uh uh what was the what was it uh, um the month Punchak from, uh, Jaya. From last month. Pun Pun Yes. I don't know one. if I'm saying it right. Jaya, <laughs> and yeah. so and it's true. So we kind of predicted this every month. The uh, the qualifying points um, or, or the requirements to earn points to qualification could change. Uh, in this case, the point values didn't change, but the uh, what you need to find did. So last month it was uh, finding a multi multies mysteries, earth caches, adventure labs, and any find counted for points as well. Now they're they're pretty much promoting the most finding a cache with ten or more favorite points. Yes. And then points for Earth caches, Adventure Labs, Maltese Mysteries, and of course points for any find. Yeah. So, so did you reach
2: the peak, Jeff?
1: Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> did yeah, you try absolutely. very hard? <laughs> Well, not 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 really. I think this is again one of those types of challenge challenges that uh, um, is is great for uh, people who don't necessarily cash as much. But if you go out and you're doing it weekly or or especially daily, then you probably won't have much problem at all, even just with your base number of fines. Right. But what what I love about some of these types of challenges, the souvenir promos, is the theming, and mm-hmm. with this one. It, it really excited me to see the um, climbing the mountain, climbing mountains as the theme, reaching the peak. And it just so happened that one uh, one cache that I went to for August was essentially reaching the peak, and it was f- reaching the highest, the high point of Ontario, which is oh. all that high, <laughs> but, but still, <laughs> yeah. that's awesome. So it, it was, yeah, it was fun to do any to, to find some things that were related to the theme of the souvenir challenge. Did okay. you reach the peak?
2: I did reach the peak. I was a little worried because I wasn't planning on overly caching. I really have to save caches because I'm cashed out. But um, I cached an area without limitation and I definitely reached the peak and beyond and s- still have plenty left for traveling in opposite directions for future months. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, well, let's uh, ask our special guest, this is an Ontario reviewer. And he is uh, he has come out of the shadows. <laughs> this it is cash shadow, aka, Roy. Welcome. Hello, good evening. And welcome. Hello. Hello. How did you reach the peak? in?
3: know, I, I did indeed. I've found myself to be a bit of a souvenir hound. Uh, just because at one point, you wake up and realize you've got a lot of them. And then you figure well you got this far so yes i did a a veritable caching run because i don't normally log all my finds and so i make exceptions for souvenirs etc etc oh cool and uh yeah so i got that last night actually i dragged my wife out for a a drive because it was a nice evening
2: (laughs) right oh oh, (laughs) look look over there honey let me just pull over here (laughs) um so yeah good to go good Good. I'm a sucker for the souvenir challenges. I really am.
0: Yeah.
2: And this is, I, has there ever been one before other than maybe like the, what are they called That Wonders of the world. It kind of morphed. I feel like, I don't know, but like specifically from the start, they say you have six months. It resets every month and you can only get the final if you've done your monthly tasks. Yeah, like, the, I don't think the, that's been a yeah, like Yeah, the reset
3: thing was one of those, I, I got to do what by when? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right.
2: <laughs> don't <laughs> well, miss yeah, I, it or you have missed the end souvenir. Right. And, I'm not and, sure yeah, we've I, seen that before. Yeah,
3: and to Jeff's point, though, it, it motivates folks who might not have been that, you know, hardcore for a while. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, um, it motivated me to make sure that I would plan to find those multis and mysteries. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't just a case of, ah, oh, let's go and do you know, a dozen threads. Oh, you know, what? if I just do this or this.
1: So it was probably one of the most invigorating ones I've done in a while. So oh, good. points good. for that. So in a way, it was convincing you to do a little less work because <laughs> instead of finding five <laughs> traditionals, you can find one multi. <laughs>
3: yeah, but you know, it, it depends on whether or not the cache is at the end, right? So, right. Yeah. It, right. so yeah. I had my, my backups ready to go, but I was very happy with it. Mm-hmm.
1: And as for the resets, I think at this scale, I think definitely there hasn't been one this long, like six months. But there, was, uh, there, there have been souvenirs where if you miss one that you can't get later, then you don't get the bonus. There was, uh, there was the Streak Week challenge, that one. Oh, you, you right. Know, you don't get the streak if you don't complete the streak, like one cash a day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty sure there were a couple others where if you, didn't, if you didn't find something in the series during that period, then you wouldn't have earned the bonus. But yeah, of this scale, I think it's a lot more accessible because it's a full month for everybody. Uh, The chances of somebody not being able to get a peek somewhere. fairly slim.
3: And I like that It's a case of I wonder what this one's going to be. Oh, exactly. We
2: had to wait. Yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah. So Mm -hmm. given I was
2: right, I you know, I have a geocaching vacation at the end of the month. I was very curious. Mm -hmm. What is my activity (laughs) going to do to help me? Yeah. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, our topic for this month for this show is of course, challenge caches and mm-hmm. ask a reviewer and asking cash shadow, all of your uh, or some, <laughs> whoever decided to send in questions, who some of your questions regarding challenge caches. Mm-hmm. And I think we all know how controversial, maybe let's <laughs> the, say
0: polarizing, uh, caching, polarizing, polarizing, that's polarizing. Right.
1: <laughs> the uh, the guidelines for challenge caches are especially since the moratorium. So um, having sent in some, uh, uh, having made some posts, asking for people to submit questions. Um, We have got a few that we can raise and chat about. Some of them probably fairly simple, some of them maybe more difficult to agree with, but that's the fun of it. (laughs) Um, There is, we will be adding to the show notes, the link to the guidelines that are specific to challenge caches, and that's in uh, section 212 uh, 2.12 in the geocaching guidelines and I mean that that guideline list pretty much shows everything you need to know but there's always questions of <laughs> course always ifs
2: there's always ifs. someone with an alternative viewpoint <laughs>
1: <laughs> and you can never cover everything either somebody's always got a new idea um something that skirts the guidelines and uh <laughs> I know I've been there um <laughs> but uh <laughs> Well, let's start off with uh, one of the questions. This was a good one to start off with. Uh, it came in from Lynn. And she has asked, uh, are reviewers in charge of deciding the challenge guidelines? What say you, Mr? Uh. Cash Shadow?
3: Well, challenge guidelines or guidelines in general, uh G-caching HQ, they are the keepers of the guidelines and the help center. So those are your, your core reference. But there are articles in the guidelines that refer to um, regional policies. So the bulk of the guidelines that we have today were brought into play um, in May of 2016, which was after the 13-month moratorium. So HQ put together the revised guidelines using feedback uh, they gathered from the community during the moratorium, and that was player feedback, bearing in mind that lackeys and reviewers, they're, they're also players. Mm-hmm. Um, so they invited this discussions, they asked for feedback sessions, they put stuff together, and they had various iterations that they floated within the community. And even since that first release in 2016, there have been various tweaks ever since. So HQ, they are the keepers of the guidelines. However, um, as I'm saying, regional reviewers or reviewer teams may have um, a wiki page for regional geocaching policies that might clarify certain items for guidelines which are as they were interpreted regionally, but HQ, they are the keepers and one of the challenges, pun intended, is the subjectivity with challenge caches. Um, there's always been a bit of a speed bump with consistency because people might say, well, how come this was okay here, but it's not okay here? Well, the game's play differently in different regions based on how the community hides caches, finds caches, etc., etc. At the end of the day, reviewer interprets the guidelines as best as they can from HQ. And if uh, there's a difference in opinion between a player and a reviewer, that's why there's the appeals team. hmm
1: yeah, the regional thing is, is another question because um, there are guidelines, but then there are some differences from area to area. Because uh, you know, Ontario is kind of a hot spot. We've got loads of challenges. I haven't looked at other, to see what kind of um, challenge landscape there are in, in other regions, but I know that there's been a whole lot of development of challenge caches in Ontario yeah. and, and controversy.
3: And um, a lot of the... Situations you encounter when you say controversy, sorry, controversy, um, <laughs> is you only know about the things where you were told no. You never realize when you were told yes that it might mm. be a situation that was a plus or exception or regional allowance. So there might be something that's completely legitimate in region A because of how region A plays a game that might not be in B. And so you might feel like you have left out. But at the same time, you might have something that you have published all the time that might not be allowed, whether it be some regions don't allow caches and trees. So you can take for granted what you have already. Um, for the most part, the guidelines are helping the reviewer be consistent in their region and work with your reviewer. It's about the, the best approach I can suggest.
1: So there is the, uh, the official guidelines, and that's the one that, that's on the website that people can look up. And then there's regional specific guidelines, which you'll have to find your region's wiki page itself to find any uh, yeah. changes.
3: A, and... a lot of reviewers have updated those wiki pages. Um, some may not have enough content to warrant that wiki page update, but they'll be happy to provide it to you in a review. Essentially, when you're playing the game, work with your reviewer, and you'll you'll work out quickly what the situation might be
2: yeah you guys are hit there to help us
3: <laughs> yes we the same way as folks compare their fine counts reviewers compare their published counts mm. so at the end of the year when there's a you know big spreadsheet comes out and we're all sitting there going oh did i publish more than the other person um, we want that accolade. We want to be able to kind of beat our chest and say, Yeah, I got more than the other guy on my team.
2: Oh wow. Now that's so, an insider uh and so, there. Yeah, Because of course
3: reviewers <laughs> want to publish your cash. And you that's the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> and that's that's the thing, is they want it to happen because mm-hmm. the more green buttons there are, the better it is.
1: Mm. Awesome. Well, the next question we have comes from Eric. And he asks, why can't we have a certain number of caches in a day challenges? I think this is one of those post moratorium rules.
3: So this comes back to HQ make the guidelines, we follow them. So that's the short version. Um, yeah. But there were seven, there were several sections in the challenge guidelines that, that explain things as being acceptable. And not acceptable. And one of those sections is the time limited section. And so HQ doesn't permit um, challenges such as find, you know, so many caches in a day or in a week. And it's a good question. Um, why was it made? I don't know. They gathered feedback. They looked at you know, community feedback from an ongoing basis. But the top of my head, like there's no list to refer to to say this is in place because of this reason. Mm-hmm. But um, How would you keep track of people who would say, well, their day starts at 5 p.m. when they started caching and it ended at 5 p.m. the next day when they stopped, it was 24 hours, it was a day. We don't have logging with that level of clarity. Uh, The same way as if you didn't log it on that particular day, it's a little more complicated. So do you see a day as starting the stroke of midnight or do you see the day as, you can see how the interpretations could come in. So I don't know what HQ's, underlying reasons were specifically, but just off the top of my head, I can give you two right there. Um, there was a reason. Mm-hmm. So there are many other challenges that
1: are allowed. Uh, those ones, the ones are not. Hmm. Yeah, I know that was one of the uh, one of the, well, many of the rules that came after post moratorium were controversial. But uh, yeah, time limited. I, I have thoughts about some of the limitations, but they're <laughs> general thoughts. Um, we have another a question in chat from Kyle, who has asked: Does the reviewer receive notification if HQ review review overrules a reviewer's prior decision on a challenge? <laughs> oh, let me see again.
3: Um, reviewers get feedback. Let's use that phrase from HQ regularly, and it's invited and it's accepted and so HQ can turn around and say you know what you didn't interpret that quite the way we anticipated it mm-hmm. happens and sure. it's great because we get a green button so if you think of the appeals team and HQ is if you approach them and they are your second best chance to get your perspective across and if you truly believe your review is interpreting something in a different way from the guidelines, they'll help. The reviewers are only human. It could be a a coffee, a lack of sleep. It could be a a whatever situation. They may not have interpreted your cash listing the way that you meant it to be, and perhaps your email to appeals express it differently in a more clear manner. Go through the effort. get that second chance to make that best first impression. And so there are situations, obviously, where you can get told, oh, by the way, yeah, that's probably it's going to be okay or if they tweak it in this manner. And so a lot of reviewers will encourage players, like, please do. if you have a question, if it, if I cannot answer it, if I cannot help you, you do have another um, avenue to go to. And mm. i uh, there have been a, a few times where I'll sit and someone has simply said to me, Okay, let's start the conversation again. This is what I'm trying to do. And I realize what they're expressing, it might be one word different from what they've written in the cache page and it changes the whole tone of the review. So again, reviewers want to press the green button. Good, thank you. Whatever it takes.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I've heard some people say that um, reviewers like it, like it when you appeal their negatives. like, yes, take it to appeals, please. I would like to know what the answer is. Certainly. (laughs) Um, So another question coming in from uh, Fabian asks, what do you think about challenge caches being archived and then locked by a review? Mm -hmm. Locked. All right, so there, (laughs) HQ have given reviewers the ability to
3: lock caches. So that's just explain the details of that. That's when a cache itself no longer take logs, whether it be from the cache owner, whether it be from somebody finding it, et cetera. So just to explain what locking it is. Mm. Caching is a regional game played globally. I can answer from my situation at this end in Ontario, there are times where there may have been a landowner issue. There may have been HQ has reached out to a reviewer and said, you need to lock this for reason x y and z it may have been a police issue it may have been a dispute going on when you look at a cache page you don't know what's going on behind the scenes you don't know whether or not there's been a requirement or request to lock something you can only make an assumption so first thing is you don't always know what's going on so maybe the lock was was warranted for some reason the other side is if there is a situation on the cache page or in the game taking place and review wants extra guidance from HQ, they may lock it and then approach HQ and ask for confirmation of how to approach. Each reviewer may act in their region in a different way, and whatever situation this is where it's been locked, I'm quite sure it's warranted. There are times where there are guidelines compliance issues, and to prevent the bravado of locking that troublesome logging that troublesome cache, uh, we might lock something here at a request of somebody. Because if, i give you an example, if there's a challenge cache place somewhere where you shouldn't be, and we find out post-publish, then archiving it and saying, dispute with the landowner, he's, they're really upset publicly on the cache page. Not a smart idea, because folks might think, oh, let's go poke the bear. So if you discourage it, maybe that's a course of action. So I'm quite sure that in those situations, it's been locked for a reason. And again, that depends on where it's occurred. So not be able to speak to every single example of that. If it's happened, it's happened for a reason. The, the other side, reviewers are, are very efficient. If they don't have to click a button, they won't. And it's an extra button. Mm. So there's typically justification for it.
1: And a has uh, raised the other point with uh, locked archive challenges. In a situation where someone finds the physical container of a challenge cache but doesn't meet the criteria yet, when they do, the cache is archived or locked. Can they still claim the find? If it's archived or locked, then nothing else happens on the cache page, which is un- which is unfortunate
3: if you have found the cache and noted it. Mm-hmm. But thankfully, there are plenty more smileys out there to be had in the world. <laughs>
2: So it's just a risk to go do a challenge trail that you don't are, are qualify for yet.
3: It's part of one of the nuances of a game based on using a GPS to go find something, sign the log and go back and celebrate, having an aspect where you have to jump through a hoop before you celebrate, yes. Mm. <laughs>
1: That's a good point. That's great.
2: <laughs> jump through a hoop before you celebrate. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. And um, one of the things that uh, that I've often said that's great about challenge caches is they get you doing things in order to you know accomplish something. And then the challenge cache that you find and sign to commemorate that is one commemoration of the fact you've accomplished it. So if you have found and, and are working towards qualifying for that cache, if you can't sign that one because it's archived and locked, another one could pop up and you can just go find it and sign it because you've already accomplished it.
3: Yes, so, I, I would add to that, the point at which you finish your first grid or the point at which you finish your Jazma, or the point at which you did your 365 man, do you celebrate that and tell folks, oh, I found GCABC123? Or do you yeah. say, I got my Jazma"?
2: Yeah. Right.
0: So right. do you
3: necessarily need to have found that cache and signed that log to know you're pretty awesome? subject interpretation.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, that's a really and good hey, you, point. You, because the, you, the, yeah, often I have accomplished something and there's no cash to go along with it. But I am still proud. Yeah. yeah.
1: And if you really want to, you could create a bookmark list and and bookmark all the archived locked caches. You <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Look at it, it longingly.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: But <Yeah. laughs> oh, we have a um, really important question in the chat. Reviewers are real.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no. Real. They should know. <laughs>
1: um, so another one coming in from John is, uh, He says, basically, dealing with challenges was consuming all of the reviewers time. So this is after a reviewer panel, they were commenting about how dealing with challenges was consuming all of their time, and that is why they were banished. So I'm happy that they are back and I try not to give a reviewer any trouble with them. So how, how, how would you respond to the amount of time that's spent on challenge caches versus everything else? (laughs) Bearing in
3: mind that we are in a very challenge centric zone here in Ontario prior to the moratorium, it was a lot more effort required dealing with the nuances of different challenges versus after the moratorium. So prior to April 2015, when the moratorium was enacted, it was very, far more subjectivity was involved. And hats off because as part of the new guidelines um, since May of 2016, We have that requirement with project gc and the challenge checkers so hats off to the folks that write the scripts because they became almost like a first line of validation because if a challenge script author said that's never going to fly it never made its way to the reviewer Mm -hmm. and you get to the point where someone can be given a little bit of a nudge as what could be made um reviewable not saying that they're perfect on every single um, script because there's, there's no way they, they can know, they're, they don't deal with reviewing, but the challenge checker authors have done a fantastic job of kind of stopping that first initial wave of things that were tougher to review in the past because it wasn't just the case of it would be tough and questionable, there's to be so many of them, people would create challenge caches just for the sake of creating challenge caches um, because they wanted to own one. So i think a lot less time is spent now than it used to be and at the same time the guidelines have changed uh, with their acceptable not acceptable list it's really made it a lot clearer for folks and so it it is it is not as tough as it was before however the game progresses and the players progress and the creativity keeps going. So it still keeps folks on their toes, but I'm, I'm happy to say it's not all time consuming. Uh, we'd certainly, at least in, in our region of Ontario, uh, are very happy at how folks have embraced the new challenge guidelines and how people have embraced placing caches in general, challenges or not.
2: Great. So you really have an insider view on the evolution of creativity. Because that's the way I look at these guidelines is how can I take this fact and make it interesting? Make it not about the fact itself. I I really enjoy when people can add a concept that you would have never guessed to match a guideline.
3: It's very fun when somebody comes up with something new and you think you're the first one to see it. And yes, granted people, one of the sides with project GC and the checkers is people see the challenge checkers and go, Oh, I can do that locally. But to be the person that makes that first um, right. challenge, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it might get lost in the mix at the player end or at the community end, but I certainly do see people making the effort and we've seen some great things. I wish they were all publishable,
0: but mm-hmm. at the same
3: time, some of the things that appeal to me as a player, because of my history and what I found in the game, or what I personally find interesting, may not appeal to many other people, certainly might be almost turn away new players. So there's that balance. And the balance, I think, is where a lot of the guidelines try try to steer people. There's a balance between making sure your challenge ap- appeals not just to the folks who are quote, unquote, on the elite end of the scale, but right. people who want an ambition to aim for.
1: Right, mm-hmm. right. And that list in the guidelines of what makes an acceptable challenge is super helpful as well, because there are specific ideas like how, how to interpret uh, attainable or time limit, they, they explain what is allowed, but then give some examples of what people have had published previously or asked, and now are denied. So and these are most common. But like you said, there are people that come up with ideas that, uh, that haven't been done before. And um, and then it's kind of like, well, is it allowed or not? Because it's not on the list. So I, I've even found um, there's been a couple of times when I've had checkers made because they interpreted that while well, it's probably allowed. So they created it and it all works. It checks and everything go to publish and it gets denied because a reviewer has interpreted it differently than a script writer. So just because it can be scripted doesn't necessarily mean it can be published.
0: (laughs) Mm
3: -hmm. And at the same time, if you look in that page you're on, um, there's probably an update there from, I think, July of 2021. So if you search for July, there's something in there. Where HQ do update the guidelines on a regular basis, and there's not necessarily a changes.txt that's in there, but things change maybe from one day to the next. So what may have been publishable yesterday, and they go red text, just you just passed it. Um, oh, what may have been publishable yesterday may not be today. And so the guidelines must, themselves, they're more of a living document, but it's not immediately apparent. So mm. yeah, there can be situations where if you weren't aware of that change, you may not have got the memo. And so it, it's, a, it's a living environment.
1: Yeah, Yeah, and I saw this change mentioned and and noticed that it was about using text for a, for a challenge. And I do remember that this was uh, part of the rule that was enabled as part of um, bookkeeping uh, post-moratorium that wasn't allowed. But apparently, I guess, that actual text wasn't in the guidelines, so people were still requesting it, perhaps. Um, but, yeah, using words or letters in titles or, or regions... It's
3: your interpretation, the subjectivity of mm-hmm. the guidelines themselves, and all guidelines. It's a case of if everything had to say no, that would be a very long I and mean, complicated. <laughs> right, right. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. And even, I think it was uh, you said before you showed that changes, the changes, um, just because a script can be written doesn't mean it's allowable. And you see that in all those pre-moratorium caches. Yes. So many of them have a script that someone wrote to make our lives easier, but it doesn't fly in the present. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. Now, objectively, if you could write a script that says, is the cache on the moon? Yes, no. <laughs>
1: right? Um, but the technology is there to do it. Yeah. Yep which uh, rich actually (laughs) uh, addressed in a comment, he says, relax the rules a little bit. If an automated checker can be written, then allow it. (laughs) The checker has to handle anything required to qualify. So no more reviewer involvement than current challenges. I think his point is that, well, if the checker can be written, then give it to me, (laughs) disallow the Yeah. Uh, He
3: I'll give you a counterpoint on that one. Um, So yes, But if we were to say for a moment, you made a private cache that only you and a few other people who found the same unique combination of caches had found, you place it in your driveway, those four people log it, nobody else logs it. So I've, for example, I found caches in 47 countries, I found caches in all US states, I've done this, that, and the other. If I were to create a challenge with a checker that would come back and say, has done what I've done. Uh, how many people would be able to log that in my region? And then if somebody else did the same thing, that's an awful lot of quote-unquote private caches. with each one having 161 meter or 520 foot, eight feet uh, circle around them, consuming space on the playing field. So I think the, the guidelines are written in a way to help reduce the number of private challenges, so to speak. And granted, things can change as time goes on, because as people play the game for longer and longer, more people will naturally have a better record to help them meet those challenge qualifications. That might be a better point in time to submit those, in which the, the whole, well, if more people can do it, why is it a challenge? Yes, I, I appreciate the semantics of that. But at the same time, as I was saying, you don't need to find a cache to challenge yourself with a great concept that challenge authors come up with. So yes, uh, just it would be far easier if the rule was, if Challenge Checker exists, then good to go. Yes, absolutely. It would be much easier on the reviewer end. But on the player end, um, there might be a lot more places out there with caches that get very few visits.
1: Yeah, Yeah. and and there's still the aspect of trying to figure out how to qualify or being able to qualify. It might might be easy to check if you qualify, but that's only half of the challenge. You have to qualify. (laughs) So uh, kind of follow up to that one from Lynn, she said uh, or asked, have you ever published a challenge even though you felt the challenge itself sucked or denied publication of a challenge, even though you loved the concept of it?
3: So prior to the moratorium, I saw numerous challenge caches that I thought were created just for the sake of the owner having a challenge cache. It was just simply, they put it in the queue because challenge caches were this this thing and I'd like to have one too. The updated guidelines have seemed to encourage people to put more effort into the challenge caches. Again, let's not forget the folks at Project GC who, they kind of make folks take that step up when When you're told by your reviewer, you need to have a challenge checker for your your challenge and you go to Project GC, they're filtering, they're adding a layer of you'd like what? And so that's helped with some of the challenges and it's really brought the quality up from my perspective and makes sure things are compliant and the challenge themselves. But as for publishing things that I love the concept, yeah, it happens quite a lot. And that's again, one of those times where Reviewer might say, Oh, that's almost there. What if you did this? Then you could get it past that thing you're tripping over, and we could get that thing published for you. And yeah, there are certainly caches out there today which are slightly different from how they were originally reviewed or submitted for review. And the creativity was there, but there might have been one nuance about them that was in the not acceptable list. Um, it's just a better feeling to hit the green button and say, we got to give you that customer service. Folks are going to enjoy it. But there are certainly times like, oh, that's really a good idea. No, but that's really a good idea. But you know what? You, You can't have it both ways.
2: What's your guidance from HQ on telling us, hey, shift a little, and this could be a green
3: light? Reviewers are given encouragement to make sure that we do give players every opportunity to be able to resolve their own issues. There may be, again, regionally, uh, that nuance that says, for example, um, if we in Ontario ask a certain number of qualifiers for a cash, we are fortunate in that we have an incredibly active community, and it's really not difficult to find qualifiers for most challenges. And so we may not necessarily need to make an extra step to try and help the cash owner find that 10th qualifier. Like, it's a pretty set list. It's easy. But at the same time, as if reviewers is sitting there and someone's providing a challenge cash to them, they may be able to say to the cash owner, hey, there's some latitude here. Let's give you this nudge to be able to make this go out there. And HQ want us to provide the best we can within guidelines mm-hmm. to be able to make the best experience for the players. So the guidance is effectively is work with the players in the same way as we're asked players to work with the reviewers because everybody wants to hit the green button.
1: Yes. Mm. Well, there's another question that came in chat from KC11, who says, uh, "Can challenges be created that involve adventure labs? For example, caches at the posted coordinates complete 100 adventure labs to claim the find." Good this question. This has come up quite quite a lot, I think.
3: See, see, and this is another example with the challenge caches, is where things change. So I would go into the challenge cache page, and I would search for the word adventure lab. So if you do the right now, you'll probably get your answer.
1: <laughs> uh, I, on a similar note, um, there was a comment that came in from Joe, who said, "Project GC, GC has the ability to check 360-degree challenges from GZ, not a caches home court, and it's Not sure why this was disallowed under the new guidelines. So it's another type of challenge that is kind of unique, but is it? Why is it not allowed yeah. now?
3: So. so. Again, back to the when HQ provide the guidelines, they don't necessarily have a a list of why this is a not acceptable column. But if if I look at it, um, if someone says to me the difference between the 360 challenge and let's say a challenge that requires caches in a province or a state. So guidelines have the criteria section. And I think that's where we say you shouldn't use coordinates, or longitude and latitude, which is effectively what 360 challenge is, but it does say it's okay to have province or states or boundaries. If you have a cache today that's in location X, and you move it 161 meters or 528 feet, chances are it's going to be within the same province, state, territory, boundary. You are unlikely, it could happen, you're unlikely to make it not a qualifier for somebody who was only one cash away from finishing a challenge. If you have a 360 challenge, that tiny move potentially could move that cash out of being one of the qualifiers. Is that one of the reasons HQ chose? I'm not sure, but it's a pretty solid one at the top of my head of why something to do with a things a cash owner can control in their mm-hmm. cash page being integral to somebody else's qualifications. Let's forget difficulty and train for a minute. That's an entirely different animal. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that might not be preferable. So yep. I I don't know specifically why not, but I can come up with some pretty good reasons why I might question it myself. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, we've got an awful lot of things to work with and we know we see challenges being published. So maybe it's ah. Uh, it might be a grumble, but it might not not, not be a, a showstopper. Mm.
1: It's another good example of a, a challenge cash style that is basically grandfathered. I don't, I'm, I'm not I don't think there's too many 360 challenges out there, but consider it like an oldie. It, it's a grandfathered challenge. They can't be created anymore. Better try to qualify and find it and sign it before it goes away. Right. It's like, Yeah, it's that much more special. We made them special because they're rare, like virtuals used to be. (laughs) Right, used (laughs) to be. (laughs) Um, So uh, another comment that came in from Scott, who has said, I think the terrain rating should reflect the actual height of the challenge. Do you, as a reviewer, make any comments about what you think, if, if you think the terrain might be a little off, like if it looks like the cache is in a parking lot, but they've bumped the terrain to a four and a half because of the challenge. Might like you make a comment about the terrain um, should be- I'd
3: refer to the guideline page you had up there where at the bottom it says, we recommend that if difficulty rating be based on the challenge, the terrain rating be based on the cash location.
1: Hmm. Yeah, right there, we recommend the difficulty. But you see, and that's the thing, it says we recommend. Recommend. So would you Isn't Would that you also great? recommend?
3: <laughs> uh, I would push it back. Again, semantics.
1: This is this is part of the fun of the back and forth with reviewers during the review process, right? Because if you're not sure of anything, you got to ask. And then if they don't know, they'll ask. And it's just, it's always, it's a, it's conversation.
3: Just always <laughs> imagine that point in the movie where they say, it's like the pirate code.
1: They be guidelines. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Lenora had a, a, Lenora suggests that limited, to limit the time reviewers have to spend reviewing challenges, as in challenges have a lower priority for publishing and may take longer to be attended to. Um, I think she's saying that um, if, to make things easier for reviewers, if uh, challenges were kind of given a second tier to other geocaches, would that make things
3: easier? Nowadays with the revised guidelines since 2016, I'm not sure as much time is spent in all regions. I'm not saying that they're not still complicated because challenges can be complicated in comparison to prior to the moratorium in April 2015. So I don't think there's as much of a problem with this as there once was. However, at the same time, when the reviewer goes through a queue, they may have an approach that works for them, whether that be the low-hanging fruit whether that's be events first. Well, it should be because it's the most time-sensitive. I don't think this would be an issue nowadays, in the past, potentially, pre-2015. But thankfully, with Project GC, with the revised guidelines, and really just with the experiences that we all have, bearing in mind that we aren't working in a vacuum, we can talk to our peers, we can ask each other questions, we can communicate with each other directly. We could all bounce ideas off each other. And that technology and that fluidity of communication is better today than it was five years ago. So the game is evolving. So are the reviewers, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, we're human too. And HQ support of us is always increasing. It's, it is not a case of you are working with a reviewer and you're both in a vacuum. The reviewer has a support system and a reviewer can lean on support system and thankfully that gets better and better each day. So this shouldn't be an issue. Hopefully nowadays, your your mileage may vary.
1: (laughs) (laughs) One other topic that has come up that I know has been raised in quite a few places is the controversy surrounding um, minimum requirements for a challenge to be published. And uh, so Craig has said, uh, finding 10 that qualify locally is not in the game's best interest. I feel the circle for those that qualify can literally be 300 miles or more. I feel it, it the pain of... of this question. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, it's in the context of the fact that so many people who love these challenge caches will travel great distances once they're qualified to come and sign and, and find that challenge cache. So, uh, and I remember when the post moratorium came, what if a, a challenge is published right near the border of a region? when some, the people who would find it were right across the border. Why does it have to be, especially with Ontario being huge, we had to deal with that, uh, find 10 people in the region to, to qualify. Why is it 10 people in the region and not say with the geocache as a center point?
2: And, I, and my region being so unpopulated compared to yours, you know, it feels even even rougher. Like, I don't want to be hiding reward challenge er, caches. I want to hide challenge caches, give someone a challenge to work towards.
3: So this is another example of geocaching being a regional game played globally. And I'm going to get a T-shirt with that and maybe a yeah. on, <laughs> on one day. So reviewers typically handle their local, the regional community, um, with the experiences they've had in that community, so they've seen enough caches to paint a picture of what works in a region. So in Ontario, our regional geocaching policies wiki blah, blah blah blah, explains that we do also ten qualifiers. So in Ontario, we will accept those qualifiers from anywhere in the province. So that's a million square kilometers. More than that, which means if you are in Toronto big city, and you want to list a qualifier from Ottawa five hours down the road, you can do that, which is easier to review, easier to understand, and really, I very rarely see challenges that come in that don't have qualifiers because of we've got this catchment area. But we've said, in Ontario, just Ontario. Which means, yes, if you are 100 metres over that bridge to Quebec or you are one mile away down there to New York State, you can't use those challenge qualifiers. But we, you have to, if you have a metric, you're going to have a limit somewhere to define mm-hmm. that makes it easier for people to work with. So our team chose Ontario as our local region works for us because at the same time not all of Ontario is populated and we have an awful lot of traffic that goes along this one corridor, the four oh one highway, that folks will drive five hours for a cash and then drive back. That's just the way it goes. Maybe they drive that far from milk. I'm not sure. <laughs> so if you're gonna have boundaries, you're gonna have metrics and measurements, you have to set them somewhere. There's no right answer that works everywhere. We have do cash to think nothing of that travel. So our approach here works because it's regional. Now, if reviewers elsewhere have a different approach, they've likely got a good reason for it being that way. Because again, reviewers want to publish things. So if you have a reviewer providing you a guideline, you may think it's a restriction, you can work with it. How many challenges are not getting published because of it versus how much more work as a cash owner do you have to go through to be able to prove those qualifiers? That's question one. The other side is, reach out to the reviewer. You may not be asking them or trying to sway them or argue with them. You might say, hey, if ever you're going to be reconsidering how you look at these things, why not open it up a bit more to this? Provide your justification. Because you know what? They appreciate the feedback. I would not expect folks to change their decisions on a dime why? Because for every decision you change, there's a ripple elsewhere.
1: Yeah.
3: At the same time, they're all open to feedback because they want to work with the community that they've got and they want to make sure that they've got their finger on that pulse. And things do change. They might not be the change you're looking for for your challenge mm-hmm. today, but at least they've got that information. So whatever your region is handling as far as a radius or as far as a number of qualifiers or not the number of qualifiers, you're getting reviewed by a regional reviewer in a regional manner. You Mm -hmm. cannot compare it to other regions, step one, but is it within the confines of the guidelines? And if the guidelines say your reviewer may ask you for 10 local regional qualifiers, which I think they do, then that's probably the situation you're in at which point I would work with, again, communicating with them and just expressing, hey, is this something that can be looked at? I wouldn't necessarily do that in my reviewer note during the review of my cache because that might be a separate conversation, but it is something where I would personally provide that feedback politely and respectfully so it can be contemplated. And maybe if enough folks do that, that might change the decision it may not, there may be a very good reason why things are the way they are. Because again, we don't always see things in our little uh, microscopic universe that somebody else might see from a a slightly different position. So patient's understanding seems often to, to be a a better approach than kind of rampant panic.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. There is uh, one quick uh, advice question from Casey Levin and Chad as well said tried playing it placing a challenge cache inside historical museum reviewer said not allowed they are allowed with the managers permission right can't be traditional and no interaction with workers any advice on that one
3: there is a page in the help center regarding caches that are indoors and so I would follow that guidance and again there may be a regional approach to that typically caches within buildings they are often multis, because then we can ensure that there is GPS usage. Mm -hmm. So I would look at that guidance and approach the reviewer and say, how can I get this published? Or is there a way that you suggest that I reword this to make this publishable? Mm.
1: Yeah, because it seems like this is kind of in that little gray area, because it's, it isn't a traditional, and there's no interaction, because it's a challenge catch. It's a mystery, mystery. But I guess even then, if you were to put the posted coordinates outside as a mystery and tell people to go inside, there's still really no GPS use. It's effectively a traditional inside the building, Mm -hmm. which could be one of the reasons. Um, So there's a couple other little points I thought I would uh, pass on to get your own thoughts. Um, I think this one is one of the most common suggestions I keep seeing about challenge caches. What are your thoughts on challenges having their own icon
3: well imagine for a moment that somebody says there's a new icon and everybody goes "Ah, oh, great let give me it to take me. all my <laughs> existing ca- caches and challenges that are around me that already exist and are out there let's recreate them and get them a new icon okay. so that concerns me personally because i'm like oh good that's a a, a reboot of that one, that one, and that one. Second one is, the mystery cache definition kind of already includes the, you know, other thing bucket, which is what they are, are in. Even prior to the attribute, you could go in and do a search and the filter for caches that were mysteries who were challenge in the title, and you'd probably get 99% of them. So it's not a case of you have a hard time finding them. But the attribute really now hits the nail on the head so as far as a another cache type would you then be in a situation where a challenge that you've already qualified for well you don't want to change the cache type icon because then you've invalidated all of the caches that you use the mystery cache icon for to find it because you'd be changing them to a challenge cache icon but if you kept all the existing ones that were challenged cache icons which are mysteries and then then you give them the yeah it just really sounds very complicated to me personally i'm sure that higher powers have thought about this and contemplated it and we got an attribute so i'm happy with the attribute i didn't need it because i could search for a challenge and i could search for mystery icons but it's certainly i think been beneficial and that's, that's pretty good. And I'm not sure we need more cached icon icons at all. Yeah. Really, yeah, you kind yeah. of need two, right? You need a virtual and a, and a physical.
1: <laughs> and then <laughs> just
2: describe the it well. It. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. And uh, yeah, and, and the thing is the attribute is really addressed that I think the biggest concern is that people either wanting to filter them out or filter them in or search for them explicitly. And uh, the text was kind of a hack, for lack of better term, having "challenge" in the title and being a mystery. It was kind of using the existing search options to adhere to a guideline rather than having something that says this is a challenge cache. And uh, I think the attribute helped with that; it makes things a lot easier. Um, yeah. Uh, with one other, one other uh, question because there's all these challenges that can't be published, or you won't publish, or uh, for whatever reason, the there is this concept called unchallenges. And that is traditional caches with optional challenges. What are your thoughts on those? Do you have any recommendations about creating them?
3: I will, I'll give you two views on those. I'll give you the (laughs) standard one. And I'll give you the if I won the Powerball lottery one. (laughs) So if you don't use the word challenge on a cash page and you have an optional something or other for folks to say yeah you know i've done this thing all the power to you if you put project gc checker on it that would be really confusing because it looks smells and tastes like a challenge it quacks like a duck if if i won an awful lot of money um i would show up at HQ's doorstep and say, listen, I've got this really cool idea. Um, I'm twenty years too late. I'm really sorry you've built all this website and this app, but this is this is a cool idea. Uh, let's let's just make it so challenges are a second layer of thing on top of geocaches. That's what I'd do. I would turn around and say, Hey, if you find a container with a GPS device, you sign the log, and then you go home and you log the find, you get a smiley. That sounds a lot like geocaching to me. But when you get home and you find that you can't get the smiley because you didn't jump through that hoop, that sounds a little frustrating to me. So what if 20 years ago, there was a little box on the review page where the cache owner could say, to log this cache, you must have found a cache not on the moon or on the moon. And someone could write a Project GC checker for it. And all the reviewer has to do is say, oh, well, there's no terms of use violation. There's no commercial stuff in there. No one's calling anybody names. That's good to go. Silly challenge. Yep, don't care. There's a checker Mm -hmm. for it. And let's say for a moment that that were published. And so the person sees the cache. It's a traditional, it's a multi, it's a whatever. They go out, they find the cache, they sign the log, they log the find. But when they log the find, they can click a little button that says, do you qualify for the challenge? And the challenge pops up and they go yes i do and they click the project checker it says you qualify have one challenge pointy doodad trophy thingy way to go i would have loved that because then you would have taken the subjectivity out of the reviews you would have let anybody who finds a container signs a log log the find aka geocaching do it And you'd also let folks come up with the most creative things they could. I mean, someone would be wacky and out and left and field. But the the difference is that cash isn't taking up a spot on the playing field that no one else can ever play with. Right. That would have been really neat if I come up with that twenty years ago. At this point in time, can you just imagine what the costs would be? in reality for redesigning like yeah Mm right and again not everybody would like that that's not a great Mm -hmm. exercise in customer service by any
0: means
3: (laughs) but i think that that would have made a difference and that would have been my approach instead had i had the foresight that ship has sailed but i think a lot of that is going to change the difference in how people would have perceived things which would have been a slightly different way of answering that question but Mm in a parallel universe, maybe we're all doing that. And Jeff's got a whole bunch of gold (laughs) challenge trophy doohic thingies.
2: (laughs) Right. (laughs) Well, it's interesting,
1: like, hadn't thought about that if if you're flipping it. So instead of an additional logging requirement, qualifying in order to be able to log it found, it's kind of the other way where you log it found in order to get extra points for qualifying for the additional challenge. Yeah. That, that That's interesting.
3: Because at that point, <laughs> again, the is out of it because they're like, wow, that's completely out of left field, but there's nothing that's terms of use there. Mm-hmm. Have fun, challenge caches. But however the, the new player just started, and there's a cache at the end of the driveway in that green tree, you can go, I found this traditional. I
2: found it too. Mm-hmm. All types caching together, yeah.
3: But that, that would have been lovely. But mm-hmm. again, I'm 20 years too late <laughs> and I'm not the only you one who's come up start. with that. Yeah, I'm not the only one who's come up with that idea. I'm sure. Well, I but, haven't uh, heard it
2: before, but it's it's good. It's, I like. Yeah.
3: But we have the game that we have today, and mm-hmm. the community has really driven the game in such a positive way. And if it wasn't for the community, there wouldn't be a revision in guidelines. The challenge caches wouldn't be as popular. This this channel wouldn't exist right now, and we'd have the conversation. So. Mm-hmm if it weren't for all those folks working together, and yes, there are times where people get to say, I'm sorry, you don't qualify. There are times where things get kicked back, but I'm quite sure that's in the minority. It's, it's a, a game that gets people out there. And yes, there may be situations where someone does find a container, they do sign that log and they can't log the find, but that also might be the spark that makes them go, well, I do want to log that find. What do I need to do?
2: Right, the spark, exactly. Someone said, clear back in the beginning of the show in our chat, the challenges were a spark for them.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: Well, I've got one more question in the chat. It's not about challenges, but I think along our topic of Ask a Reviewer, everyone has this question at some point or another. Hypothetically, say you feel you somehow got on the bad side of a reviewer, what can you do to come back? Or is all hope lost? (laughs) is this a regional (laughs) question (laughs) a regional answer
3: well we know we could just just ask jeff (laughs) (laughs) i i think that if you truly believe that you've done something that has offended somebody you can ask them hey are we good Uh, maybe it's just because i've not had that Occurrence or situation. I really enjoy working with people, and I actually kind of enjoy the backwards and forwards. And it's like, okay, let's see what they come back with after I say no to this one. Um, as Jeff knows, <laughs> reviewers are just players that decided to they would give up an abundance of their time for <laughs> for no pay and maybe a T-shirt each year. They do it for the passion of the game. They they do it because they believe in what geocaching means to them as individuals, what it means to the community. I'm not sure there are situations where you'd be on, quote unquote, a bad side. I'm guessing there must be, because the question was raised, reach out, say, are we good? Or I that last review might have been a bit intense. I really appreciate what you're doing. That's all that's needed in my mind and right. it's with people too the same way as when you accidentally cut that person off and when you're driving to the grocery store and then you find you've parked beside them <laughs> and you kind of do the
0: sup mm-hmm. yeah like, right? <laughs> we good
3: <laughs> like reach out it's it's we're just all playing the same game we're all here just to get through each day to enjoy it the best as we can we're all, you know, no one gets out of life right so mm-hmm. good to go
1: or
2: you the ceo can just move to a new part of the country <laughs> so it's there you go.
3: <laughs> different reviewers. To <laughs> see I, I didn't mention bribery once so i should get extra points for that
0: yeah
1: <laughs> yeah and, and having personally been on the side that i don't know if there was like bad books that i was written and i think probably but um having had some difficult conversations with reviewers trying to get pa- caches published in the past um, things are, are good now, I think, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, y- you come to kind of realize that, you know, like, like Roy said, they're, they're doing their best. They want to get caches published and they're human and they're interpreting things. And in a way they're learning as they go as well. Um, learning how to deal with people and how to interpret guidelines in ways that probably haven't been interpreted that way before. And so they've, they have to make judgment calls and... Like you said, if you don't like it, you can go to appeals. And then if appeals says no, you can blame HQ. There you go. Put their foot down. (laughs) But but ideally, it's like you, you come to if you if you really want to be out of bad books, for lack of a better term. Personally, you try to look at it like from their perspective, if they if they are seriously trying to do the best job that they can and trying to publish caches, then there's a reason for their decisions. And we have the ability, if we want to, to try to make the uh, the rules for those decisions change, if we really want to. But at that point, it's not really the reviewer to blame, because they're just they're trying to interpret the guidelines for the community for the game in the best possible way. And you know, there's a lot of things that I used to not agree with that now I'm like, okay, I can understand why. And that's a lot easier. Too, oh, so.
3: didn't you get old and grow up? Oh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so but, you know, it's but, like a teenager becoming an yeah, adult, right? Yeah, exactly.
3: <laughs> but at the same time, let's recognize that as reviewers, just again, players who are insane enough to give away a bunch of their time, we're human, mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. screw up, we might say or type the wrong thing. You do have the ability to pick it upstairs. And... But do it when you when you actually truly believe that there was an oops. Because if somebody clicks the wrong button on something, stuff happens. But if you just disagree with their opinion on something and you just don't like the way a guideline is written, that's a little different from whether or not you think it was interpreted in the entirely wrong way.
0: Absolutely. Because
3: again, if if HQ taps a reviewer on the shoulder and says, What were you what were you trying to say here or do here? there might be a moment of clarity where everybody benefits. And that not only benefits the reviewer, but it certainly benefits the player, but it benefits the game. But the flip side of that is if you don't like something and you go and ask for an appeal, and the appeal says, well, we kind of agree with the reviewer, that that doesn't necessarily mean that the reviewer is evil. It doesn't mean that HQ always agree with them, because I can tell you they do not. It just means at that, that particular point, maybe there's a of opinion. There's, there's other smileys to be had. There's other, there's other fish in the sea, there's other caches to be listed. We're all here to get along and enjoy the game, uh, but we all are working together. And even within the review community, there are situations where we may socially chat about things. And we may have differences of opinion on things, topics, whether that be whether we should put you know, butter on our toast before or after um it's we can never all agree on everything but the guidelines are there to kind of help us be on maybe the same chapter and maybe we can work together be on the same page great thank what, you that was, that was profound write that down
1: Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think we're good to go to move on to our next big segment, which is the Wheel of Challenges. I need to get a a sting for that.
2: We say (laughs) it every month.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This is the the time when uh, one live viewer each month will be selected to face off against the wheel, have a chance to win the grand prize, which is a one year Project GC membership, premium membership to enter, just send an email to challenge talk podcast at gmail.com with the subject spin me, followed by your geocaching username in brackets, and the answer to the following question. And the first viewer, the first verified user gets the wheel. So we need to have your actual name because your profile will be checked live on Project GC. And the question for this month, if you are listening, (laughs) <laughs> or maybe you just already know it. The question is: In what month and year did the challenge cash moratorium begin? Not end. Yes. Begin.
2: Begin. Cash That's Shadow did a wonderful thing. job of sprinkling that through several <laughs> times.
1: <laughs>
3: it's like verbal and, pixie dust.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I know. I, I've I've forgotten it sometimes and tried to to figure out what it is by googling and searching, and it's not that easy to find it's out there but it's not that easy to find are we getting any answers in we have one two we have we have the first one in with the correct answer is yes indeed april 2015 and that's from glowworm 77
2: all right yeah
1: so that's uh if there's still anything else coming in, just in case, but we'll see. Oh, okay, so we have Glowworm seventy-seven facing off against the wheel. Let's get, clear that out and spin that wheel. It's it's so anticlimactic without the ticks. Without a those tick. ticks, it's like a it's a mental. Oh, just barely wait, on. The wait, wait, which one
2: is that one on?
1: It looks like it's just over the line on the three star okay. triple marathon challenge, which is gc 63 jzzzz Z, Z. I say Z. Because you're broken.
2: Ah, I was just going to ask Roy, <laughs> what do you say? <laughs>
0: it
3: depends on what color it is. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So let's take a look at this challenge. First of all, I'll make a comment that um, we often get comments wondering why there's so many other features on my browser here. It's because I have browser extensions added um, and that includes Project GC's browser extension. There's um, a map, uh, geocaching map extension and there's uh, GC little helper. So there's three different uh, browser extensions I have installed that might add little options onto the basic geocaching.com website and information about those, because we get asked about that so often, is in the show notes. So after the show airs, you can check the description and there will be a link to the show notes for you to check out for other information and topics that we've talked about. And check so, out your page. That's right. <laughs> this uh, this challenge is the LPC Triple Marathon Challenge, Three Difficulty by ter- Terriviators. I can never remember how to say the name Terraviators i haven't committed to
2: memory yeah because we got it wrong so the, much yeah the v,
1: <laughs> the v is like the, the 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 syllable there terra uh in texas and it is a triple marathon challenge and the challenge is to find two geocaches with a distance of 78.657 miles between the pair wait
2: the is this exact 78.657 <laughs>
1: That would be a much more difficult challenge, I think. (laughs)
2: Slight distance (laughs)
1: tolerance with the checker.
2: Okay, okay. So
1: this one does have a checker built in. There's a lot of green checks. So it's a good chance, probably going to qualify. Uh, So we loaded it up on product GC and put in Glowworm 77. Make sure to select it from the list and run the checker. Does she qualify? Does she yes, she qualifies. Awesome, excellent, congratulations! So you are going to you not going to you have one Project <laughs> GC one year premium membership. Oh woohoo! That congratulations! Means that you get yeah you get unlimited checks. There's a, a number of benefits to especially if you are a challenge cash mm-hmm. owner to having a membership at Project GC if you want to verify all of your cash finders stats. <laughs> so all congrats. Right and uh, we will send that to you ASAP. Our second little giveaway game that we do each month, it's not really a game, but it is kind of a game, it's all part of the game, <laughs> is to give a congratulatory shout out to listeners who email us proof of uh, qualifying and logging a Challenge Cash since the last show. And anyone who sends an email to challenge podcast at gmail.com with the GC code having a found it log that uh, including the photo if you'd like to share but found during the past month since the last show uh, will be entered to for a prize giveaway for a challenge talk Geo coin, which they
2: have looks like our yeah. background. Shiny.
1: <laughs> yeah, your shows. Oh, that's not it. That's the leaderboard My <laughs> <That coin>. leaderboard <laughs> coin. <laughs> I was like, wow, your color is different. There we go. Your there color is, there is it different. Is. <laughs> Uh, so yes we'll send you one of those if you are the one that has been randomly chosen so we have uh, a bunch of submissions but we like to highlight them so if we go through five that have been submitted so first of all we have one in from zippertiff it is the Summiting Mount Everest Challenge Cache. Oh, how appropriate
2: (laughs) for reach the peak times.
1: GC8A4XH. And this one is in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, It is at the Posted Coordinates. (laughs) It was published 2019, so it's relatively new. And fairly obviously, you have to find a cache at at a height or have altitude in excess of 29,029 feet. So if you live in a high altitude area, this is probably not all that hard to accomplish. And I like this right now, because during this uh, souvenir promo, it's actually probably pretty easy. (laughs) If you uh, uh, are are going for, well, actually no, I'm thinking points and thinking altitude as the souvenir, that's not right. (laughs) If you earn, if you reach the peak of all of the souvenirs, you could have just found them all at sea level, so that doesn't work. <laughs> it was a good idea. Yeah, you uh, yeah it, it worked in my head, and it didn't work when I said it. <laughs> like yeah, so, challenge ideas. <laughs> <laughs> so th- these are always fun because uh, yeah, I like going for caches that are actually at high altitudes. It's a little, it, you add a little more to the challenge. Uh, whereas if you live in Nevada, you'd probably accomplish that with a hundred caches. <laughs> What's the, I can't remember what the altitude is for the caches there, but it's high. And with all of those roadside power trail caches that love them or hate them. Right. (laughs) Uh, Next up, we have one from bloody cool. It is the travelers challenge of 25 earth caches. However, there is a trick. Uh oh. Each of those earth caches must be in a different U S state. Oh foreign country. So any region. No Canadian provinces. (laughs) State, province, or country. That's basically a region. (laughs) And yeah, so that's... I mean, 25 earth caches, that's a lot of work. These days, well, if you love earth caches, that's not a lot of work, but that could be. But that's also a challenge to get a cache in at least 25 different regions. Regions.
2: That's a lot of committed travel. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And then if an earth cache isn't where you're going in that region, it's even harder.
1: Mm hmm. Oh, there is a three states one from five. OK, so that's yeah. So there's, the examples there are just saying how you can combine states, countries. OK. Yeah. Um, at this time, I qualify with 32. Oh, yeah, I was just reading details. OK, so <laughs> that one was 2019 as well. And that's in Fairfax in Virginia. My. Right. Good. Um, we have another one in from ZipperTiff. This one is, oh, that was GC80RAV. This one is GC74J62. It is the 9x9 DT challenge. Have you completed your fizzy grid? Is that what
2: this is? that says? A fizzy you, challenge?
1: Have you completed this fizzy grid? <laughs> you have to fi- find all 81 DT grids but you have to have nine of each of the listed cache types as well. So it's nine times nine, but you have to spread out. You can't find 81 traditionals to complete. You have to have nine of each of these, a virtual oh, an Sprinkled event, or erigo, a letterbox, an earth cache, multi unknown and traditional and a cache type with more than 10 favorite points, any cache type with more than 10 favorites. So you have to have nine DTs nine different dd combinations of each of those cache types okay which i think would be interesting with an event because well yeah because events can only be difficulty one right well okay this is a lot harder i just I
0: <laughs> yeah you have, so to have lots of terrain terrain
1: for an event huh Interesting. I'm well, I recently just what got a one five. Oh, <laughs> oh, yes, this was uh 2017 post moratorium, and um, this was yeah, I uh, when I was in Scotland, I managed to get a one five event, and so I do, I do have a one five. I just I'm like nice, I, I have to test. I'm, I'm so curious, I have to test. <laughs> regional gameplay. Played well, there's go- a nice go- little go-
2: graphic <laughs> there. I love it when the challenge checkers have a graphic.
1: scroll um, down
2: you should have a graphic.
1: Oh, yes, these ones. Yeah, Yeah. when they show you the actual icons in the boxes. Yeah, there are a couple of uh, checkers that do this. This. So as as somebody who likes to has a list of challenge caches that I'm working towards, including all these different types of fizzies. This one checker is a really good one to bookmark because it lists off so many different things you could qualify. Yeah. And what's the
2: GC code for this one?
1: This is GC74J62.
2: I think we have inspired people with this one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because the, the checker for this will give you first the, uh, the grid for that challenge, but will also show you all of your fizzy grids for all the different types of caches. And I think there's a couple of checkers that even do attributes, maybe specific attributes, not all of them. But um, I know that, yeah, there's one for finding caches with at least 10 favorite points as well. So it's, it's a great way to look at a variety of fizzy types.
2: Yep. I'm really curious and um, checking too, for myself.
1: <laughs> Let us know if you qualify. that's, it only hit me just then the event. No. <laughs> Online DTs. Oh. <laughs> oh
2: man, there are so many X's on my chart. <laughs> Good thing you guys can't see it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Inspiration. Uh, yeah. So we have, Coming up next, we also have uh, we have one from Just Finding Our Way. It's GC4AX5F. And in this one, it is the, well, it's a CO by Icon Challenge. COX Icon. But this is a casual. This no, is casual. a so like a, a bronze out of a bronze, silver, and gold style tier. Um, and this is one of those point gathering types of caches. So you have certain categories. You've got to Accomplish to earn points, and then once you earn a certain amount of points, you qualify. Mm. In this one, you have to find uh, th- at least three types of caches for different for uh, per cash owner, and you get points for the more cash types you find from each owner, and you have to have fifty points. <laughs> so if that sounds confusing, <laughs> the way that the way to describe it is. Uh, you can find two two different cash types for one cash owner, but that doesn't get you anything. You have to have at least three types per cash owner, and if you have three, you get three points. If you have four, you get four points. I believe five five points and up. So you you if you were to check this one, you'd probably you'd probably list all of the cash owners that you've got caches found, and the number of cash types for each of those owners, and then add up the number of points to see if you've got 50. I like that little twist on it. It's not. And when a was this one. hidden? This was 2013. Uh, and yeah, like it's. Roy, does something that...
2: like this make your head hurt?
3: <laughs> <laughs> so go back to the question that said oh, there Are there times where you see something where you're like, oh, that's really cool, but I cannot publish it? So my immediate thought when I see this is when a challenge includes. Block party, HQ, lost and found events, and uh, ape caches. It kind of sets off alarm bells immediately due to this mm-hmm. scarcity, right? But when you mm-hmm. factor in things like cash owner name, well, now we cannot use those since the, the the 2016 guidelines. But you you can see where folks want to include their experiences and other people's experiences in their challenge, and they've included all those different icons. But when you turn around and say to somebody who starts the game today, mm-hmm. you get points for this, 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 and this. Well, you, you, those aren't there aren't any block parties scheduled. There's the celebration schedule for next year, but that's a, a one shot. So it may not be relevant to this specific one because there's other ways to get those points, but it is a case of, I need to really check to see what's going on here. And nowadays it's a little easier because of the way that the new guidelines are written. But previously, you could look at this and say, "Oh, yeah, this bunch of people who have done it." Well, yes, but there there aren't any block parties anymore. That really changes things.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, and you you said something that kind of piqued my attention. You said um, cash owner names do you make a distinction between challenges that are based on the text of cash owner names versus just caches owned by different people? Because this one isn't saying uh, something about specifically the text of cash owner names it's just saying, well, owned it, by different people, yeah, right there in the, the non acceptable column, they have mm-hmm.
3: all those things. So mm-hmm. it's when you can control it on the cash page, it's a different factor, other than difficulty in terrain, because it's a different animal. Um, but if you, you cannot really, you, where you place your cast changes the name of where it is, but even then we saw in July, we've changed that alphabetically. So,
1: yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Well, uh, moving on, we have another one from bloody cool who has sent in GC8D for Q1. It is the picky challenge. Hungry hundred. You know, we, we love attribute challenges in Ontario. <laughs> and um, this one is another one of those. It is a, a challenge to find caches with the food nearby attribute. So once you've found at least 100 uh, caches with uh, food, uh, yeah, did it actually say the name of the attribute here? <laughs> uh, foodie stop pit nearby caching. Once you've done that 100 times, Per the caches you found any country as of cash creation, so 175. So, yeah, food That's nearby, fine. it's got to mm-hmm. be in there somewhere. Find yeah, food there somewhere. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, so oh, there it is, yeah, 100 food nearby. Let's find out right above the checker. <laughs> so, <laughs> simple attribute challenge, but <laughs> yeah, we have so many of those in Ontario. We so one of the things with us, we've got power trails of challenges. And uh, when somebody has an idea that, say, is related to attributes, then it's just a matter of publishing 100 caches, 100 challenge caches, just with a different attribute requirement. (laughs) Right. That'll be done. Right. So because there's so many attributes. And uh, so we have so many of those out there. Gotcha. I thought that'd be a. A nice to...
2: Well, there's a that little one. point in the chat that I think most of us can uh, ache with. <laughs> Curious KDB <laughs> says, I just noticed looking at that nine by nine compared to my paper copy, that someone changed their DTs on their multis. <laughs> 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 so we do work, we track ourselves, and someone right. somewhere has changed our progress
3: still have to deal with that. You mean they maintained
1: their cache?
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so many perspectives.
1: <laughs> some people would say that challenge listing difficulty in terrain should be locked and published when it's See, published.
3: And one of the things to bear in mind is it, it all is influenced by how long you've played the game. Mm-hmm. Because if you've played the game for 20 years, and you're even if you're a casual cacher, let's say that means – you have 500 caches a year. Let's let's go with that for example. Um after a decade that's that's a bunch of caches and you've just magically found all kinds of DTs just by virtue of being out there and with folks placing caches with difficulty in terrain to suit their needs it's not as tough nowadays as it was 10 years ago to fill those grids. So just naturally challenges are less challenging just as time goes on automatically. So those DT changes on on caches aren't as impactful as they were 10 years ago. So um, it was a lot tougher as well. So back when I did my um, 365 in the days in a row, it was really tough. There weren't as many caches around me. Whereas now there's a power trail, I can go and do one and come home, go and do another one next day, come home, go to another one next day, and come home. I'm good, I'm set, I'm done, do it again. It's the game changes the longer the game's around. And that's an example
1: of where you see the impact,
3: chances are that combination's out there for someone to pick up
1: again. Yeah. And depending on how active your local community is, chances are if somebody sees a hole or a rarity in a challenge qualifier, they're probably going to go and place a (laughs) cash. For one, it'll it'll attract a lot of people to it to find it, but it'll also help make challenges at least attainable. Right, because that's the point, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's that's it, the that's all we've got for uh, showing off uh, some of your finds for this month. Uh, remember to enter for next month. Send in your email before next month's show, and we'll probably highlight the cash if it's interesting and fun. Um, it doesn't have to be interesting or fun to qualify to be put into the draw right. for the Geocoin. But, um, yeah, we, we love to hear creative, especially post-moratorium, creative challenges, how people are interpreting the guidelines and, and making them fun and attainable, but challenging as well. Yeah. And
3: Everybody if you place a cache.
1: cache and it's found then it was fun for someone,
0: mm-hmm.
3: and that's yeah. kind of <laughs> what it comes down to. Yeah. And I, I, I will tell you, I enjoy seeing the challenge caches that enter our queue because it's just an example of the time that people will want to put into the game because getting the checker written is effort those folks that write those checkers they deserve a huge pat on the back there's the community does all this work up front and then the reviewer gets it that should not be overlooked so someone took that time they do that effort and it might need tweaks but a big, huge thank you to everybody who keeps the game alive and keeps it current and interesting and creative. And that's an awful lot of folks doing challenge caches. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And on that note, the winner of this month's monthly challenge, winner, challenge. Yeah. Something like that (laughs) is (laughs) the winner
2: of the coin. (laughs) Zipper Tiff. Yay. Congratulations. Congrats.
1: And once again, if you want to be entered in next month for that Challenge Talk Geocoin, just make sure that you send us an email to challengetalkpodcast at gmail.com with the GC code and a photo if you want and and your story. And uh, we'll enter it into the draw. One last thing before we close off. I always love to highlight uh, (laughs) my last challenge I published pre-moratorium, which I believe... Roy, I believe you know it very well, <laughs> is the Iron Man bingo challenge. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> this this is an example of one of those caches that went through a lot of back and forth before getting published. But it is basically a challenge bingo card of streak, streak qualifiers. And so, you, for example, you've got to find you got it for qualifying for B1, you've got to find 25 days of difficulty three and under, or uh, five days of abandoned structures, or even three consecutive days of scuba caches, which can be super difficult, <laughs> unless you've got either friends who, uh, who know how to scuba dive or cache owners who fudge the attributes, or you live in Nevada where the ET highway is all scuba. <laughs> right. I think it's still that. <laughs> But it's it's possible. But if you want to do it legitimately, it's hard. Um, the centerpiece is 100 consecutive days of caching. And impressively, there have been a number of people who have qualified for this all uh, 25 f- 25 math 25 squares in the bingo grid qualified within 100 consecutive days, which is awesome. Nuts. Yeah, it's nuts. Um, So I like to highlight this because I am also giving away a coin for anybody who complete. So it's been open to anybody to complete um, columns and rows and shapes and whatnot. But as a little added bonus incentive, I'm also giving away a coin reward for anybody who simply completes the full card. So if you complete the whole thing, then once I've got my Geocoin minted, you'll get one. And for an update for this month, there are two new completers. Ooh. From Finland, they have completed the full grid. I don't know. I'm not, I, I think he said over a year or so. Um, from Finland, we have M- Miko Pit. I have no idea how to pronounce it. <laughs> and Hulu Jussi. Jussi? Hulu Jesse. I don't know. If you're Finnish, maybe you can uh, inform us how to pronounce. <laughs> <laughs> I think
2: but... Gary knows. <laughs> Gary, yeah, Gary knows. Yeah.
1: <laughs> So congrats to those two people. You are added to the list of uh, completers, full card completions. Um, and uh, yeah, just love to show people and maybe encourage people to to try working on that, on that challenge. I know because it's pre-moratorium, I still have not yet qualified for it myself. <laughs> and that is one of the post-moratorium guidelines. But people have been finding it. So congrats to Good. those two and uh, yeah, work on it if you want to. Let me know. Post a note, and uh, yeah, you might get highlighted on the show as well. Um, and on that note, any other possible clothing closing clothing thoughts? Clothing, clothing thoughts. thoughts.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, Gary says first of all, Gary says in the chat, I say,
1: "Holo Hol- Yosi." Holo Yosi. Holo Yosi.
2: Holo Yosi maybe we're right <laughs> but uh well there was a lot in the chat tonight thank you very much yes. roy a lot of folks are saying this was very insightful so thank you um for your thoughts your counter thoughts and um just a, a behind the scenes look at things i
3: love behind the scenes stuff you know I you know i made it all up right <gasps> <laughs> because reviewers aren't real
2: <laughs> it, it is april yeah
3: <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, it's great to he- be here I'd appreciate uh, the time to be able to be with you folks and everybody who is here in the show today watching and who watches after today as well so thank you very much
1: thank you mm-hmm. and you know th- there are still so many questions out there and there's always going to be questions and uh, and suggestions and comments um, so and, and Roy and I know in our region you're super active you're really engaged with the community which is awesome and uh, you even run a little AMA every is it every week or is it every month every every
3: week. every week or so maybe two weeks i do ask a question get a possibly relevant or even <laughs> accurate answer on facebook <laughs> and folks ask me all kinds of questions about reviewing or they ask me what i have for dinner or my favorite color socks uh, the premise being is if they do interact their name gets entered into a draw for some small prize and uh, mm. it's it's a lot of fun I just try and make sure that I'm approachable and reachable. Because again, I'm Mm -hmm. part of the community as well.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay, and it's great to have that. Because it it shows us that you're human. And, you know, you just help to bring the community together. I can make make stuff up wherever I am. Trust me. (laughs) (laughs) And it's not just you because I know every I don't, I don't know, is there any, any region that only has one reviewer? Or is there always at least like a, two, a team oh.
3: no, there are a few regions only have one even for example we look at nova scotia's got Cash viewer now uh, and we we still do work as a a team overall in i say most regions and uh, we do talk to each other because we do the same things we want the same experiences for the players and we don't all have the answers on our own we bounce stuff off each other
1: mm-hmm. yeah and so yeah it's not just you in ontario we have is it just two now, or is there three? Ontario's still three, so three. we have a Cash Drone, three. Cash Minder, and myself. Yeah, I don't often see a Cash Minder published, but maybe they do other things. <laughs> anyway, yes, it's a teamwork, <laughs> so thanks to you, and thanks to the team, it's not just you, uh, for doing all of your volunteer work.
0: <laughs> right. And,
1: yeah, uh, the, the pay isn't great, but the vacation time is fantastic. <laughs> and, and having to deal with so many people like me. <laughs> So, again, thank you for, uh, for joining us and answering all those questions. And thanks to the chat room for being active. Uh, we got some great comments and questions Yes, thank well. you, everyone. And okay. as usual, if you do have any other questions or comments or suggestions or feedback, any of those such things, then please do email us at challengetalkpodcast at gmail.com. That's challengetalkpodcast at gmail.com. And we thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> so... Little reminders for the next show, it will be October 7th. It's always the first Thursday of the month. So look for that October 7th, mark that on your calendar and uh, check back shortly for the show notes. They'll be posted to the description of uh, of this show on YouTube and various places. And you'll find links and information related to challenge caching and, uh, and for tonight, the questions that we raised, cash shadow. And for a transcripts of today's show, please write down everything we said. <laughs> YouTube can you do that automatically. But on that note, we will see you next month. And uh, as always, remember, it's all about that challenge accepted. Not the numbers are what Something like that. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think did that <laughs> so thanks, and we'll see you next month. Goodbye, everyone. Have a good night.